Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the rainy, well, it's not even raining anymore, it's just crappy Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. Let's start with that, actually. There's this tropical storm that is pushing its way through Texas and, sadly, Louisiana. They're just going to get more rain because, of course, they're going to get more rain. Uh, Pushing up through Mississippi, it's going to bring us a lot of rain and stuff. The question is, what's it going to look like this weekend? With all due respect to you people that spend your entire weekend in Oxford, I don't care about the weather Friday night. What's Saturday's weather going to look like? You're a news guy, Stephen. I should know this off the top of my head. You don't head. know it off the top? Come on, man. You're supposed to know the intricacies of the weather reports five days out across the entire state. What is wrong with you? I will tell you this. I was looking at the weather for this morning, and on the National Weather Service forecast, like they list it North Mississippi, South Mississippi, Central. And on their website, I hope this was a mistake. If not, thoughts and prayers to everyone in North Mississippi, because it said that the high was going to be 73 below zero today. So, hopefully that was a mistake. If not, well, I hope you're all staying warm Well, at there. least you guys get to do that cool thing where you get hot water and throw it up in the air and it freezes right. instantly. Yeah, wind chill, do reading, wind chill readings around 100 below zero okay. is what it said on the National Weather Service official forecast. Make sure you bring your dogs inside. Right. So, I, I assume that that was wrong, but... If you were able to pull up Oxford's weather in the meantime. Yeah, it depends on where you look, it seems. I mean, there's a a possible chance of rain on Saturday. It seems like as the day goes on, it gets less and less and less, which is good. Uh, But that's something to keep an eye on. Don't let that deter you from going to the game. Uh, I I didn't crowd shame last week. I'm not going to crowd shame this week. But it, it would be good. Recruits are going to be at this one. People are going to pay attention to this one. Matt Corral is now very firmly in the Heisman discussion. Most people that cover college football have him ahead of Spencer Rattler. And he should be, by the way. Uh, If people want to talk about Corral being turnover prone, watch Rattler play. Uh, Corral... Well, now they'll get to see him face the same defense that Spencer Rattler threw two interceptions against. True. And they were both really bad decisions on his part. But either way... um, yeah. Corral's better than Rattler. I've watched them both. I've watched them both extensively. One is better than the other, and one gets hype because of where he plays and not because of how he plays. But anyway, so he's getting legit Heisman hype. People are going to start paying attention. And uh, also, if you're hesitant, right now what you have in your program is pretty unique because you do have a quarterback that is firmly in the Heisman mix. Every list I've seen, he's either one or two. Every list I've seen. These are people that have votes, one or two, right now. You have an exciting program, an exciting coach, a -a one-of-a-kind quarterback. Don't miss out on seeing them in person. Because you'll you'll be kicking yourself later. And these are are the kind of teams that you hoped and wished for in 2017 and 18. It's here. So take advantage of it while it is. And again, this is not me attendance shaming. I will never do that. If you choose not to go, if you if you say you can't afford it, I hear you. I can't. 
I cannot afford to go to games. I cannot bring my wife and son to games. It's too much money. So I hear you. I'm not shaming. I'm just saying if you have the opportunity, you should go because you've got something pretty special right now. Don't miss it. Anyway, so just keep an eye on that. Bring a poncho. Bring a rain jacket. Luckily, in the Grove, everybody has tents. So you can stay dry in the Grove if it does rain at some point during the day. But it looks like it might be out of there by approaching game time. So you should be if good to go If it is raining there. in the Grove, my, my biggest piece of advice, if you're not a student, avoid any tents where there's fraternities or students oh set up. God, because yeah. they will be diving in the mud and you will be walking by and it'll get on you. So and avoid hay. that part of the Grove. Avoid that and hay. Get hay. Just do it already. Just oh, go I, thought, ahead and get I it. thought you were saying hay, like, listen no, up. No, get hay. <laughs> uh, seriously, people sell it around there. If you haven't done this yet, I know a lot of you are like Grove vets, and so you you know this. But for those of you that don't, for whatever reason, that wherever you live, I promise you can go get a bale of hay for five bucks. Go get three of them. Bring them with you. Just lay them down in your tent. Even if it's not raining on Saturday, it'll be raining basically all week. Put some hay down. Trust me. You're going to want to do smart. that. smart. Saturated ground just gets ugly and everybody's moving and just a lot of foot traffic and tables and chairs and coolers and all that. Hay basically eliminates all that. It's amazing. So get some hay. But we're here to talk football on uh, on this edition. I've looked at Tulane. I've watched Tulane. I didn't watch Morgan State. Full, full transparency. I, I did not watch that game. I did watch Oklahoma in its entirety, though. So we'll talk about the challenge that Tulane presents to Ole Miss and expectations for this game. There was a question posed to me on the radio show yesterday, and I'm going to have a very similar answer that I did against Louisville. But first, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by ABS Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. It's an office technology solution company. If you are a business or you make decisions at a business Anywhere in the state of Mississippi, ABS can service you. Give them, a, Check them out on the website. Give them a shout, absms.com. And if you tell them we sent you, they'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So if you're in the market for copiers and printers, mail machines, phone systems, cloud storage, data security, IT projects, whatever the case may be, office technology, they can service you and they'll service the entire state. And then tell them. We sent you. Also tell LBs that we sent you just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. It is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And since it is raining and kind of muggy and stuff, let them do the cooking for you. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. And uh, go by and see Greg and tell him that we, Stephen and I, sent you. So yesterday it was asked, it was posed, if Ole Miss beats Tulane by seven the way Oklahoma did, how should that be received? And my answer was poorly. Because it's the same answer for Louisville. And this Richard didn't like this because, you know, Tulane played close with Oklahoma or whatever. And, of course, you have to see it first. But if Ole Miss is who we think they are, if it's a close win where they score a lot and they give up a lot, I'm not going to sit here on Monday and tell you that's a good thing. I'm going to tell you I'm concerned Because, yes, they looked good against Oklahoma, and we'll talk about that. And, yeah, they run a pretty unique offense, and they have some guys that can play. But, I mean, the same people say Ole Miss can win in Tuscaloosa, say Ole Miss beating Tulane by a touchdown wouldn't be bad. If 
And transitive property and stuff and week to week, sometimes you play bad games. You got to see how it looks. But just generally speaking, if Ole Miss struggles with Tulane on Saturday, they're not who we thought they were. It's that simple to me. They're not who we thought they were. If Tulane is a game that they struggle in, I'm not saying that Tulane's going to get blanked or they should get blanked. It's a good creative offense. It, it might be testy for a while. But if at the end of the game you look up and Ole Miss had to make plays in the fourth quarter to seal a win, they are not who we thought they were. I think it's that simple. If this is a team that's Sugar Bowl bound, if Matt Corral's a Heisman Trophy contending quarterback, if the defense actually is better, if all these things are true, then struggling with Tulane at home is not part of the equation to me. I'll I'll pose this, I guess, additional layer to that question. What if it's... 17-7 late. The offense is struggling, but the defense is playing incredibly well. Maybe they score a touchdown late 24-7, if that's the final score. Yeah, if you've got... If the defense holds Tulane to 7, then we'll we'll have a very spirited conversation (laughs) on Monday. That would be a great accomplishment. Of course, you have to see how it looks first. Right. Uh, And I guess that's, that's my thing, is which side of the ball... Is their concern with because if the offense struggles Saturday, not concerned, I'm, right? I'm more inclined to believe that they'll be able to pick it back up the next week. If the defense plays really well, that's more encouraging than if they go out and win a slugfest and they give up 35 points and the offense plays well. Right, exactly, and that's you know it's an interesting proposition because if it is 17-7 in the fourth or something like that. We have a sample size that says Ole Miss offensively is, is good, quite good. And if they hold Tulane to seven points, if it's the fourth quarter and Tulane has a seven up, it's a great accomplishment and a very positive thing. I don't necessarily I, think that's going to happen, by the way. I don't think in, in today's college football, I don't really think you hold hard. many teams to seven. That's hard to do. And to, Which like goes said, to, to show you how bad a team like Clemson played opening night against Georgia. You don't see college football teams score less than ten points most of the time. And how dominant Georgia was against Clemson as well. Right. But, uh, you know, we've heard some from some people, oh, man, Tulane's really good. Tulane's really good. Ole Miss better be worried. If they are, it's a problem. Yes, I'm sure Kiffin and Durkin and Lebby put on that Oklahoma film and really got their attention. Lane Kiffin said, and the press conference will pay, play for you later, that it's an SEC team. That's coach speak. Tulane's good. They're good. It'll be a challenge. It's not an SEC team. It's not at all. I just, this is the kind of stuff I was talking about before the season started with the mentality, a a program mentality. And it's amazing. On one hand, fans and the way they feel about a game have no impact on the outcome of a game, but also the way fans carry themselves can bleed into the way the program carries itself. You know what I mean? I I do, and I think that shows up in ways... You know, like attendance. I think yes. if fans are nervous about this game, they may not want to go because who who wants to see a loss? You don't want to go to a game that you think you're going to lose. So I, I think it translates in some respects. Uh, it can, that. and it's probably me overthinking a small problem, but I can't tell you the number of people that have said on the radio show so far this week on our text line, I'm scared of Tulane. And that's, Th- that, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking game. about. And these are, again, these are the people that are like, I think they can beat Alabama. Also, I'm scared of Tulane. Those two things don't compute. They, they don't compute. It's, I, I tend to think this is a good old Miss team. I think that they're going to cover and possibly 
easily. What's I, the line? I, it depends on where you look, 14, 15. Okay. I have a feeling this is going to go down kind of similarly to Louisville. I think Tulane is more multidimensional, and they'll probably be able to get those 24 points earlier. But I think it's going to be a three-touchdown or more win. I mean, it, if Ole Miss is who I think they are, it might get testy for a little bit. Tulane will have some success, but at the end of the day, Ole Miss will be superior, and the scoreboard will reflect that multiple scores over. If that's who they are, that's what will happen on Saturday night. And so the Oklahoma game, again, as a gauge for taking Tulane seriously, knowing that they can put up points on a quality opponent, Oklahoma still scored 40 points. And Matt Corral and Spencer Rattler are at least on par with each other. I, know you I, think, said, I think Corral's much better. I think, I think the Ole Miss offense has better weapons, too. There's your I, Max Kellerman take of the day. I would, I, was, I would definitely agree there. I haven't, I guess, watched enough of Spencer Rattler in isolation to really say definitively one way or the other on that. But, again, they still scored 40 points. He had two interceptions, and I, they Bad may have ones. had a fumble or two in that game. So... With turnovers, you still put up 40 points. If you eliminate turnovers, this is a defense that you can certainly score on. The offense may be, they're not an SEC team, but they're better than any other non-conference opponent that most teams are going to play. Yeah, But you're going to be able to put up points against them. That's, I guess, my main point here. Yeah, and Oklahoma put it on cruise control there for a little while and, and allowed Tulane to creep back, but... It, I'm not, I don't mean to diminish what will be a, a challenging opponent for sure. I just I keep going back to this. It's time to start having expectations for your football program. And it's time to start, honestly, it's not expectations. It's believing. I, I, I'm kind of flabbergasted at the fans that I've seen and some of the things that they've said. Believe in your team a little bit. What have they shown you that says they're not capable of blowing out Tulane this weekend? So go to the game with high energy, expecting that to happen. Be positive. You've got so much good going on with your football team right now. And all I've heard this week is, I don't know, Tulane can beat us. Stop that, man. Stop that. Go to the game thinking you're going to kick their ass and bring your energy and your voice and go nuts and enjoy the show that has been your program for the last year and two games. Yep. It's been a show. Enjoy that, it. That mindset is very much tied to the the Arkansas loss from however yeah, many years I, ago. I know where but it comes from. 2015, sure. I guess. It, it's all tied to games like that when the program has been winning and the Florida game when they went to the Swamp and got absolutely yep. trounced. In fairness, I mean, in fairness, Florida was juicing up. So that, yep. you know. There's one throw that always sticks out where I think it was Kim Dietschy, Basically, hit Will Greer, he's on his back foot and launches it to the end zone about 50 yards in the air. You don't make that throw unless you're on whatever he was on. So that's always the one that sticks out. But anyway, those two games, I think, are what go into the mindset of, uh, you get cautious with success. Yeah. I, and I, I get it. I know. I'm just saying. You guys have I don't a, think it should be applied here. No. You guys have a good product right now. But Tulane is interesting. Pratt's a, a good player. Uh, the, the Tulane offense is fascinating, guys. You are, uh, you'll hear Lane say it in a little bit. Uh, when he says multiple, he's not just talking about they've got a good running back and a good wide receiver, so they'll run and pass it. The looks they give are fascinating. So they'll run typical spread stuff. They'll do triple option stuff. Uh, it's really impressive and creative, and what Tulane is going to try to do to Ole Miss is exploit 
mistakes. They didn't score 35 points against Oklahoma because they have better players in Oklahoma. Although, Oklahoma's defense is bad. They tackled poorly in that game. Really poorly. Uh, They've been not great on that side of the ball for years now. So Oklahoma didn't tackle well and stuff like that. But how Tulane was able to get to 35 was blown assignments. They do this. They do a lot of misdirection. They do, I mean... The amount of motion they do, it's more than most teams. So they're running guys in motion. They're doing triple option looks. They're doing spread looks. They're doing trap looks. It's very multidimensional. And how they preyed on Oklahoma was not winning one-on-one matchups, being more physical up front. They didn't line up like Arkansas against Texas and say, we're better than you and we're going to beat you that way. Exactly. They did it by exploiting mistakes. They were able to get Oklahoma to blow assignments with a lot of misdirection and stuff like that. So this is... A great challenge for this defense on positioning. Yeah, which is something they've struggled with in the last couple years. At least a couple years. But that that's the biggest challenge for Ole Miss is will they be able to maintain assignments, gap integrity, stuff like that. Because Tulane is going to try to trick your eyes. It's really a fun offense because it's just so – the concepts that mesh together are from completely different philosophies. It's really cool. Uh, but that's how they're going to try to beat Ole Miss, and it's a great challenge for this team because so far physically they've been as good, if not better, than both of their opponents so far. Uh, Now, can they maintain their responsibilities? Because that's how Tulane will beat them. It won't be with physical stuff. Ole Miss is better talent-wise on defense than Tulane is on offense. So can they maintain their responsibilities and get their assignments correct? If they do... They're going to win. But Tulane's going to try to get their eyes in the wrong place. Yep. And with with that amount of misdirection and in, uh, in the way that they run their offense, that's why tackling is going to be so important. Yep. Because if you're out of position, you know, first you're screwed from the, from the snap, for lack of a better term. But if you're chasing guys and you can't tackle, and we saw poor tackling in the Austin P game, a team like Tulane is going to be able to exploit you much more than an Austin P. And they will get you in a lot of one-on-one matchups. Uh, they will get the ball to guys in space, and and you've got one guy that has to make a play, especially uh, in the secondary. Yep, I think that's going to be a very key part of this: is how does Ole Miss's secondary hold up both in coverage and in space? So they don't yeah. run the ball particularly well. No, uh, they don't. Their their rushing numbers aren't aren't great. It's uh, mostly been Michael Pratt, who, like I said, he's a gamer. I mean, he's from Boca Raton, Florida, by the way. How FAU let him go, I, I do not understand. But, yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's tough. He took a beating in that Oklahoma game and just kept going. And um, he was not the fastest guy that they'll see. Malik Cunningham, uh, a better pure athlete, I think. But he can still run. And he can beat yep. you with his legs. And it's not easy to bring down, actually, when uh, you know when you get your hands on him. He In that Oklahoma game, he was tough and physical and, and made throws and made plays and was comfortable. So for the... Red, uh, he's not a redshirt freshman. He's a COVID freshman because he played last year. That's going uh, to be so tricky in these next couple of years of trying to figure out was a guy a redshirt, a COVID, whatever gave these guys extra years of eligibility. But and they list him as a freshman. Why don't you just call him a sophomore? Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, uh, why not? These I, team websites are nuts. They all have little indications of like maintained extra year of eligibility. There's so many just asterisks all over the pages now trying to figure out who these guys are. Or just put, like, freshman-CV. CV. COVID. COVID. Oh, there we go. COVID freshman. 
<laughs> uh, something like that. I don't know. But, I mean, he's a player. They've they've got some guys, but it's not going to be about athletes. It's going to be about assignments. That's the key for Ole Miss is assignments. They struggled with that last year. They weren't just out-athleted last year. They blew assignments. Look at the LSU game. Right. Yeah, you don't get to be the 128th defense in the country just by <laughs> by one thing. It's got to be a schematic thing and a a detail orientation thing. Yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts on this game? Anything you're looking for specifically when it comes to this game in particular? Really, I, I kind of mentioned it already, is the tackling effort. That was one of the very few takeaways, I think, that we could look at the Austin P game and say that they have to improve on that specific thing yeah. going away from that game to face better non-conference opponents and certainly conference opponents once they get to that part of the schedule. Because if Tulane is able to execute some of those same quick screens, again, to just get guys in space, those go for more yardage when you're playing a team like Tulane mm-hmm. instead of Austin P. So that that's my main thing that I'm looking for going in. And can they pressure the quarterback? I didn't see a ton of that necessarily. You saw the strip sack from Sam Williams. But overall, not a ton of just pressure on the quarterback, and I'd like to see that against yeah. Tulane. Big game for Sam Williams uh, for sure coming up. I mean, he's got three sacks if, uh, without looking at the stats. I know he has th- at least three sacks so far this season. So he's on pace to break uh, his junior mark, which was eight and a half. I-, I should have these stats up in front of me. I don't. But uh, so far, he- he's on pace to do better than his best season so far at Ole Miss. So big game for him. Guys like Chance Campbell, who, who looked really good in the opener, uh, you know, Austin P is Austin P. Uh, the thing that stood out about him the most was being in the right place and being a short tackler. That's a great benefit for Ole Miss in a game like this against an offense like this. But I'm looking at the offensive line. Run blocking in particular. You'll hear Lane Kiffin in a second. He was asked about how uh, pro football focus graded his offensive line the third best in college football. And Lane was like, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, Pro Football Focus doesn't know what they're watching. We're not good enough up front. He roasted Pro Football Focus and his offensive line have not been good enough so far this season, according to the head coach. And with your eyes, you can see that they they need to do better. Orlando Umana will be back this week. At least that's what it sounds like. Uh, Jerry and Ely, actually, I said no injuries on Monday. A little banged up. Doesn't sound like anything super serious, but they don't tell us about injuries, so we won't know until Saturday. Did they give a general vicinity of the body, upper, uh, lower? He he was on crutches, I think. Oh. It's, it's, it's an ankle or something, uh, but it doesn't sound like a big deal. Uh, either way, that position group is fine. With all due respect to Jerry and Ely, they'll, they'll be just fine with or without him, and I would say that about anybody in that room. Either way, they appear to be healthy. They need to be better run blocking, especially. And Corral's kind of bailed them out a couple of times, too, with uh, with rushers getting through. He's moved in the pocket well or taken off running or something like that. So he that's, gets rid of the ball so quickly, too, that one, once a guy gets in there, the way he just kind of, whatever arm angle he throws it from, it gets out of his hand so quickly that it negates a lot of that pressure. But guys were still back there on Saturday. Yeah, That's little things like that about Matt Corral. We just we don't appreciate how talented he is enough. I'm, I mean, it, it, he's got NFL tools, and so many people just attribute NFL to quarterbacks. 
Oh, yeah, he's an NFL guy. Like Ian Book. Ian Book was a starter at Notre Dame for how long? Ten years, I I mean, he's in New Orleans now. He may never see the field there. I mean, he was fine, but there's a difference between Ian Book and a first-round pick. Hell, there's a difference between some first-round picks and others. Corral's got the physical tools to be a guy that an NFL franchise mortgages their future on. Like, that's the kind of tools he has. That's the ability that he has. Yeah, using a guy like Ian Book is is pretty perfect, actually, because he's a guy that... I sound like Chris Collinsworth. He's a guy that... uh, I do it all the time. A guy that is the... I think he's the all-time wins leader at Notre Dame. A place like Notre Dame that has had (laughs) great quarterbacks come through there. Someone would look at that and say, oh, obviously he's going to play in the NFL, just based on that. But if you watch him throw a football and watch Matt Corral throw a football... One guy is clearly an NFL quarterback. The other one isn't. And and the thing is, Book, I mean, there are people in New Orleans that think he could end up starting one day if the Jameis experiment doesn't go well. I, You know, he looks fine. But there's just something different about Corral. And it's stuff like that. How fast he gets the football out. How quick it is. It's just it, lightning speed. Uh, but that's what I'm watching for most is assignments on defense because that's the key to the game, really. But improvement up front. They're not going to Tuscaloosa and winning unless they perform better on the offensive line. And we have a sample size from that unit that says they can be better than they have been. Got to show up and do it at some point, though. Yep. Got to show up and do it. Again, a, a bye week after this. So, you know, if you play Too well damn going early that, for that bye week, that but. is going to be really tough later in the season. But if you play well this Saturday, you have an entire week off to get healthy, rest, build from that going into Alabama. And you hope Southern Miss gives them a challenge. They won't, but you hope that... Uh, Why is that game on in primetime? I'm sorry to Southern Miss fans out there that are potentially listening to this, well, but... because it's on a secondary network, right? It's like ESPN2 or SEC Network. Oh, okay. I, I saw 730. I, I wasn't And it's sure. Alabama. Right. And it's that simple. It's Alabama. They'll get a million people in the Birmingham area to watch the game. True. And, and that, that'll, that'll be how that goes. But, yeah, so that's what I'm watching for. Anything else? Uh, the baseball schedule is out. We may talk about that on the next podcast. Honestly, I can't bring myself to give a crap about baseball right now. I can't do it. Like, I had not releasing seen that. This, yeah, it just got released. I, I don't care. There's no marquee non-conference matchup. They avoid Florida and Vanderbilt from the east, which is obviously good. But, like, whatever, man. I mean, I thought about talking about it here. I can't bring myself to do it. It's not baseball season, and even during baseball season, I'm going to have a very much – Talk to me in July and tell me what you do then approach to the season. But anyway. Yeah, I, I see the email now. I was busy watching There's no a, non-conference, yeah. marquee non-conference matchups. No, not that I can see right off the bat. And that is going to be a challenging thing about this baseball season for Ole Miss fans. We've talked about getting excited for, for football now. See it while you can. Get into it. This the baseball program faces a much different challenge once this season rolls around because the regular season really is going to be meaningless for this team. And I'm curious to see how fans receive. I mean, I know some people are, are all in and just love Bianco and are praising the Lord that he stayed, but um, how most fans receive a coach that very publicly interviewed with LSU and did not get the job. Where's that series? That's at LSU. Okay. That would have been a much more interesting series if it was in Oxford. Yeah, but... You know, they'll they'll lose two in Baton Rouge, and everybody will be furious, and it'll just be a whole thing. That's late in the season. That's the actually second-to-last series. Oh, oh man. 
Well, yeah, losing two out of three the second last or the second to last weekend of the season would be rough. Well, especially to LSU, yep. who he interviewed for. So there's talking baseball. We'll get to that later on, maybe you know February of next year. But for now, it's football season and a big one. Not really. It shouldn't be, but an interesting one coming up on Saturday. Here's Lane Kiffin. Here's uh, his weekly press conference. He talks about Tulane and his offensive line. Not being very good. So we'll play that and that will end the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys probably tomorrow since I will be off on Friday. Y'all have a good one. Good to be in a normal uh, week after really not having one with an opener starting early. And then, excuse me, then last week with the losing two days for the short week. So uh, short Monday practice like normal at the beginning of the year. This is a really good team, very talented, um, very well coached, and that's not coach speaking. You see it on film. That's why I go to Norman down to the last play of the game. Um, watch them, they got really good players. You know, a lot of, like a lot of times I say, you know, Alabama, Louisiana schools, there are a lot of players that are in the state. And you can't all go to Alabama, Auburn, or LSU. So we see them. Um, all over the place, really good-looking kids. I told our team today, if you know, if you don't know about conferences and you just watch film and watch them play, you know, this is an SEC opponent. I guess going off of that, what stands out about what their offense has been able to do so far? They've put up big numbers, but what have they been doing to, to succeed so well? Really multiple. Um, Well-coached, they cause you issues. Looks like, you know, he's done it at a number of places, but you know, can change week to week and, and look at what you do and give you problems, not just run plays, um, you know, like a lot of people do. So, and a really good quarterback that can move again. So, got a lot of work to do. Lane, I had noticed this morning that one outlet had graded your offensive line out Saturday as the third best unit in the country over the weekend. Uh, that was without your starting center in the lineup. Just what have you thought about those guys up front through the first two ball games? Well, I don't know what outlet that is, but pro football focus. Okay. Well, pro football focus don't know a whole lot about watching film, so no disrespect. But we didn't play real well up front. I know the numbers look good, but you know, tell pro football focus to realize we're running into five man boxes most of the time because they're staying deep because of these three receivers. So you're supposed to be able to run into that. Um, you know, we got beaten pass protection in one-on-one matchups. Um, quarterback had to get rid of the ball early, so uh, I was not pleased how he played up front. But what do I know? Uh, a couple weeks ago, Spencer Rattler, after they played Tulane, said it was like the most physical team he had ever gone against. Does that come through on film? It does. <clears throat> and like I said, they got a lot of a lot of good-looking players. You know, they start different guys in two weeks on defense. They rotate them in. Um, it really looks like they have, you know, 22, 24 players about they feel really good about. And that's a good thing to have, um, you know, because they stay fresh and probably had a lot to do with how well they played in the second half versus Oklahoma. And really they gave up no big plays in this last game until the end when it was out of hand and, you know, it looked like a third team was in. So they're really good. You can't go on past, you know, different years, different games don't mean anything, you know. Sometimes the week before don't mean a whole lot, but, you know, you look at what these guys have done, they've played really well, and 
against some really good players in week one. Jarian's touches have been a little bit down this year. Just what have you seen from Jarian? What do you need to see from him to get him going a little bit more? I don't think that's on purpose. Um, you know, they missed out on touches in the second half last week with pulling guys earlier. You know, we were a little bit pass heavy last week early. Um, trying to work on some things. So, and <clears throat> it's a long season. You know, he's not the biggest back, so he's not going to be Derrick Henry, giving the ball 90 times in a two-game span. So, But he does a lot for us, and he'll continue to. Lane, do you feel like you guys have, I guess, leaders or stars on defense right now, or are you seeing more widespread contributions from your guys? Well, I think it showed up not, you know, Springer not playing last week. He's very physical. Um, you saw the way he was hitting in the opening game. Um, so we missed that last week. I didn't think we played great on defense. Um, I thought we played okay. The two defensive ends made a lot of plays with their rush. Um, but we did obviously did not play very well at corner with all the PIs, um, you know, and two deep balls. So we got to play better and we got to tackle better. It looked like um, Clowney and Taiwan Malone kind of flashed a little bit there in the fourth quarter. What did you see from those guys in the, both of their first real exposure? Yeah, I mean, we need guys to come along. We're not playing very many guys up front right now, which is not good. <clears throat> so, um, you know, both those guys are ends. Uh, they're young guys, different players, but both have big upside. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.